All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Beat, presented by BetMGM. I'm, of course, Nick Baumgartner, here alongside Brendan Quinn. Special edition today is Brendan wrote a whopper of a story, a terrific read on Amani Bates, local prep basketball prodigy. Everyone, uh, if you follow sports at all, I guess, if you're a subscriber to The Athletic, you know who Amani Bates is, um, especially if you're local. Uh, first of all, Brendan, congrats on the story. This is a really, really good, uh, a really good look inside a situation that is like super fascinating and layered and unique and really not about, not as much about an individual, like an individual's career as it is like everything surrounding Amani Bates. So we encourage you to check that out. But first of all, just want to say congrats. It's a great story. Oh, well, I appreciate it. Uh, as you know, um, when you have a project like this, that can kind of be all consuming. Yeah. Uh, there is a, um, level of anxiety and stuff like that, that, yeah, right. <laughs> that, was, that comes with it, you know, and like, you know, it's not my story at right. the end of the day, it's their story. These are real people. Um, you know, EJ Bates uh, did not need to let me inside the gym no, he did not. and sit no. down right. for an hour and, and let me, um, you know, try to kind of get inside uh, his head of what he's thinking because at the end of the day when like setting out to write this it was not is Imani going to play at Michigan State or is Imani right. going to f- be able to go to the league early or is um, you know these like specific detail things it wasn't that it was you know as anyone here especially knows, you know, yeah, yeah. Monty's been talked about this way since he was in like seventh grade, that he right. was just bookmarked to the NBA, which is insane. To the obviously. NBA, not to college, to yeah. the NBA, correct. Projected as yeah. a number one pick, not like right. a pro prospect, the number one pick. And at the end of the day, like you're talking about a father, a family. You know, it's not just EJ. It's 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 Imani's mother as well, you know, trying to courier this generational talent to a destination that at like on one hand feels like it's right there. Yeah. And on the other hand is so far away and so many things can happen. Um, You know, and EJ, you know, he sat there and, and we talked for a while and, and it was really just a fascinating conversation. And um, obviously there's all kinds of characters involved in, in the story and, 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 you know, kind of these layers mm-hmm. of just what it goes, what, what goes into kind of a, um, a situation like this that, you know, like I didn't know what was happening day to day through the reporting process. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where that was like the, that's what we set out to do. It was just, Hey, go, you know, Ipsy preps in your backyard, go find out what is happening this year. And so I said, you know, let's, all right, well, the goal should just be to create a portrait of the here and now for right. the Bates family. Um, and that's, you know, hopefully what happened. I think some people want to turn it into something that it's not, which well, is a bummer, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> let's stick with what it is, because what it is, is a fascinating look inside of what, you know, kind of what I always call, and it's more complicated than this, especially in this situation. I always liken these situations to, like if you if you got a winning lottery ticket and you you know had to then spend three years getting in a car, roll all the windows down, yeah. take it in your hand and hold it outside <laughs> yeah. the window and drive a hundred miles an hour 
for exactly. three straight years and hope you don't drop it. Like that's that's what that's like for families, and because we've all talked to parents, uh, you know, mostly with kids in college, of you know the decision about what do I do? This kid's obviously going to be something, but we got to get him. To, it's a really stressful, strenuous, crazy mm-hmm. situation, and in this case. It's even more ramped up because, as you noted, like anybody who lives here, you know, Brendan and I both live in Ann Arbor. Uh, Amani and his family, you know, Amani grew up in Ipsy, which is, you know, from where I live in Ann Arbor, he is like down the street from where yeah. where they grew up uh, here. So we've all been hearing about, if you are even a casual follower of sports in this area, we've been hearing about Amani Bates for five, six years, I mm-hmm. guess, would be, you know, and I don't even, I mean, I haven't covered a high school basketball game in the state of Michigan since like, uh, the mid two thousands, okay. <laughs> so I have no, I have no idea. But like, you still hear about him. He outgrew his gym at uh, at Lincoln. I mean, he was playing at in college arenas. This was such a big thing, and the story behind not just where is he going to go to college, but there was so much around. You know, rules may change. He may be able to take advantage of it. And then you go deeper inside of the process of, well, what is all this happening around him? And you see a dad, and, and, and really E.J. Bates to me is the most fascinating character in the story because he's a dad who's trying to do everything he can for his son, who is a prodigy, a basketball prodigy. Everyone agrees yeah. with that. Uh, and his, you know, when you listen or read, you know, some of the, the comments he makes in, in the way you wrote it, he comes across as a person who is his sole purpose in his life, is to make sure that Imani Bates, his son, gets to where he needs to go, mm-hmm. right? Which, you know, I'm a dad now. Uh, I, I don't have a, an adult son or a... <laughs> I don't know if I have a basketball prodigy. Probably not. But, I mean, I can put myself in those in those shoes to a small, small degree and appreciate that part of it. But then it gets so much more complicated as it goes. So, I mean, when you're sitting down talking with someone like this, is, is, is EJ... Do you get the sense that he's he's the type of guy, he's being protective of his son? He's yeah. trying to convince himself that everything he's doing is right, but he don't. But there is no blueprint here, and he's sort of flying by. I just got to do what I think in the moment, right? I mean, I don't know. I mean, what was your read on that? I'm glad I'm glad we can talk about this because I I don't think there was, I, I don't think my opinion was really in the story, and that oh. was purposeful, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, my thoughts on on EJ, you know, there are. There's perceptions about parents of of prodigies, right? And, oh yeah. yeah, and a lot of stereotypes and blah blah blah. And you know, one thing that if you go back and read a lot about, like a guy like Earl Woods, right, is you almost kind of get a sense of like a god complex a little bit. And like, look, I mean, I never met it Earl Woods. Across, I don't know, yeah, and, and, and like, I, I don't mean to use him as an example. And you know, I don't right, but I know what you're I can't saying. speak to that, but like. There is, when you talk about parents of, of athletes at this level, like that is a thing. You know, there are people that do kind of have this kind of God complex to them. Right. My dealings with EJ, dealings with kind of, you know, the the, the Bates operation, I, I, I didn't get that sense mm-hmm. at all. To me, it's like, it, it seemed to me like a man trying to steer a locomotive, right. you know, and it's not easy, man. And there's a lot coming at it. And like, you know, I, I remember asking EJ, I'm like, dude, there's no, there's no blueprint for any of this. You can't Google how to start your school or how to raise a prodigy and all this stuff. And he's just, you know, yeah, I get the sense that they're just trying to figure it out as they go along without, you know, making the wrong turn or, um, you know, derailing 
anything really. And that kind of goes to your idea of this, you know, driving around with the windows down, right? And the lottery ticket. Um, like the immediate response that like, I saw some people kind of give that didn't clearly read the story. We're like, oh, you know, it sounds like another LeVar Ball. This is not LeVar Ball. Right, yeah. EJ, EJ Bates is not LeVar Ball. He is, you know, not front and center as some grand promoter. I mean, he, he probably did so a little bit more early on and then they realized like, we've got to put the walls up here. Yeah, it's going to go to You know, and, and that's, you know, he's pretty low key. They don't do a lot of interviews. They don't do a lot of stuff anymore. So, um, you know, I would hope that people would read the story before jumping to conclusions about, um, about that aspect of things. And this is not me saying, you know, like, oh my goodness, everything that, the, that they're doing is spot on. And this guy's right about everything. It's not, you know, that's not me for me to say at all, you know, right. Yeah. It's more just kind of the fact of the matter. I think, I think he'd probably be the first to, to say that as well. I think there's parts of this that also need to be addressed when you, when you, the comparison to someone like LeVar Ball, and I think it's important to note this too. There are parts of what LeVar Ball's thinking was with, you know, Lonzo, especially that were good. Like he, mm-hmm. he was not trying to let his son get completely manipulated and taken advantage of by outside external forces, including the NCAA that had nothing to do with his growth and development and, t- and make money off it. He didn't want that to happen. He want right. I mean, like at the, at, at the core of it, they wanted to control their own, you know, their own life, their own way of doing things. And, it, you know, at, at that sense, you get it from someone like E.J. Bates. But on the other hand, you know, he is not, other than, I guess, promoting a school, you know, I mean, they're not promoting a shoe contract or a separate situation or anything like that. And it doesn't seem like he's someone who would be completely overly meddlesome in his son's career going forward. But also, but it's a question that gets raised because, sure, you know, this is this is something that, you know, what is the right decision for, I mean, we talk about a kid like this. This is not even we talk about five star athletes who are in a you know the 99th percentile. This is someone who's in the hundredth. He's he's above. If there's a six or seven star athlete, that's right. what Amani Bates is. So he's in a class completely of of his own. Um, and you wonder when you read stuff like this, you know, is this a situation where it's a it's a dad and a mom who are just you know whatever? It's too complicated. I'm not trusting anyone else to help develop, coach, whatever, uh, my kid? Or is there something deeper to it? I mean, is, does, does EJ want to be, you know, Amani's rep forever? Right. I mean, those are things that we see sometimes. So that's something that obviously, you know, gets wondered about. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of that no idea. I don't, you know, yeah. I, mean, I talked to EJ for an hour. Right. You know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to know any of that at all, but you're right. You know, they're aware of the critics. They're aware of what the critics say that, um, you know, this is just a matter of, uh, of wanting total control and everything's built up around this kid and blah, 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 blah. And like, to an extent that's true, but to an extent, like what's the alternative in some know. ways, what, yeah, you know, right. like, um, you know, if you're in, if if this family was in Europe, it'd be pro at 13 years old. Would yeah, he'd it already matter. Be, I mean, paid, this yeah. bullshit would even matter, right? There, there's there's the systems in place here that kind of put people in these situations where you you're making decisions like this based on kind of confinement of options, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, like the the real idea of Ipsy Prep this year was going to be like playing 
Sierra Canyon yeah. and Brawny in front of like 20,000 people right. at Little Caesars. And at that case, like, would people be uncomfortable with it? Sure. But like, um, okay, if all these people are willing to yeah, whatever. Yeah. Pay for it. <laughs> right. And yeah. like shoe companies are already looking to line up and cash in and everyone wants to cash in and everyone wants to put them on TV. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's right, what's wrong, but like, this is the choice that they're making. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the kind of themes of the story was, you know, did they, are they kind of, as a result of all this, creating more of a model for other parents. Right. You know, is this going to become more normal? You know, we've seen these prep schools pop up and stuff like that. Um, The only real example though, of a parent creating their own school, you know, AU programs, that's normal, but their own school, there's only two really that I could find. Mm. One was kind of a joke and the other one, you know, prolific prep partnered with a uh, kind of brick and mortar school for, for Josh Jackson, but you know, this is an online school. It's very different. Um, Which frankly isn't, I don't believe it's all that different in some sense than like, I mean, it is, but you know, here we have the, in hockey, you have the national team, the development program in Arbor and those kids live in Ann Arbor. uh, I believe it's actually Plymouth now or Canton, one of the two, but like, but when they were living in Ann Arbor and the facility was here, they went to like Skyline, all the kids did, I think it was or something like that. Right. So, I mean, in, in, in that way, we do see that a lot. But in this case, starting your own school, I mean, it's interesting to me that some of the notes you had in there about, you know, people who observe, who have observed his game. Um, and, you know, he's going to have critics of his game from now until he sure. stops oh, no playing. Doubt. Yeah. And he not understands that. And so does EJ, I'm sure. But, you know, there has been, you know, is he getting better in this mm-hmm. environment? Is he improving in this environment? Is this the type of situation, you know, because it's important to also put in there, you, you, you write in a story about, you know, he was playing at a public school team. There were kids that were making runs at him. Was that overblown mm-hmm. or was that the family being too paranoid? And do you get too paranoid to a point where it's, you know, hurting his growth and development because he's still so young? I mean, that's kind of walk through some of those conversations and what was interesting to hear and, and what you found in that in that area of the story. Yeah, I mean, let's put it this way. Of the critiques and criticisms and... um People want to take shots. People want to tear things down. The stuff that wasn't written mm-hmm. could be its own story. But like <laughs> that, when you're, when you're in a in a spot like this, you know, there's the, the things that you write. Um, you know, you need to be really, really confident that uh, it, right. it's real. Yeah, it's real and it's pretty much verifiable. And you know, it's not just kind of opinions being passed down and blah, blah, blah. And that's so hard, like in a deal like this, and especially with basketball, when like everyone, you know, you hear one version of a story and then it's like whisper down the lane. You hear, you talk to someone else, 10 people removed from it. And it's a completely different version of the story. Right. And it's yeah. completely insane. You know, um, there was a lot of that. So like, I mean, the cutting room floor from the story was just like a bloodbath. I mean, there's stuff <laughs> all over that did, that I did not put in. Um, but to your kind of question, yeah, there's there are very real critics and questions and all that. And, you know, EJ kind of shrugged his shoulders at that stuff. And, you know, yeah, anyone can say whatever they want. We're, right. we're, we're think, we think that he's – we're putting him in the best position. And, you know, they, they 
they have individual training. They do this, they do that. They, you know, they're partnered with, you know, a local gym. They, they're trying to put, obviously they want to put everyone in as best position as possible, you know, they would not knowingly do otherwise. So, um, yeah, yeah. But you can't write this without acknowledging what, a lot of people, yeah. you know, around the walls are, are, are saying. So, um, you know, I try to present as much of a balance of, of both what, what's real, what's said, and what the Bateses think. Also, uh, to note in there at the same time that, you know, they did not, you know, the family did not allow you to talk with Imani mm-hmm. uh, for the story. And that's part of, you know, EJ's entire approach here. And he admits it, you know, in there about controlling the narrative and, you know, making sure that, Everything around that is dictated by whatever they want, you know, put out and everything else. And I would argue that this is probably the first time he's been written about in a way that that necessarily isn't the case, which is curious going forward. In this case, I mean, he's a high school kid, but, you know, what do we think about, because this is a thing now, it's growing and growing and growing, uh, this narrative control type stuff uh, at a young age. We see it in college, you know, don't talk to them, don't speak to anybody. Mm -hmm. School's telling parents, don't talk to anybody, don't speak to anybody, like... The, the more this goes on, you know, the more dangerous I still say that I, I think it becomes for the kid, because especially if they're that talented, they're going to be in a position somewhere down the road where they have to learn how to deal with this, whether right. they whether they want to or not, or think it's fair or not. Part of the reason these games and everything else are so valuable is because they're publicized everywhere and people write about them like it's part of I mean, I don't know. I can understand EJ's motivation for that. Completely, because his son is what sixteen, whatever he is, seventeen, yeah, seventeen. But at some point, I do wonder, right? Like, I mean, what do we think of it? I mean, that, that's something yeah. that always strikes me when I, I see. I mean, these so situations. they're far from the first ones to kind of, oh yeah, want to want to kind of cocoon things as much as as possible. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, there's there's a fine line there of you know you want to prepare the kid, but you also don't want to put him out there and make him vulnerable either. Right. And especially like when you're a kid at this level, and this is an important point, like people are going to come after you. People are going to try to, you know, take what you say and twist it, do this and twist it and ask you, you know, gotcha questions or, or try to capitalize on you. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, shit, there's a reason we wrote about him. Like, well, let's, yeah, be, let's yeah. be real here. I just, <laughs> I just spent all this time writing about yeah. a 17 year old kid. Like I'm not blind to that fact. Yeah. I don't think the story was as much about Imani though, Correct. as much as it was about everything around mm-hmm. him. At least that was the goal. You know, I mean, the, no, the readers, right, yeah. readers may disagree. Um, but when you put the kid out there and you know, you, you have him front and center. Well, you know, what good is going to come from that would be, mm-hmm. I think the counter that someone in EJ's position or the, the people that, that, you know, care about Imani would, would say, you know, what, what's being gained there, him mm-hmm. experienced as a public speaker. Well, that's not really a concern right now. Right. Like yeah. it's, it does seem like unnecessary risk right. and it does seem like I'd go back to that word, you know, le- making him vulnerable for really no good reason. Right, but at the same time, and we can get into this part of it too, mm-hmm. they decided to go on ESPN uh, sure. in the summer, I guess it was, of 2019, um, announce his college commitment on SportsCenter, 
uh, in a college commitment that may or may not have any hold any water. Uh, I guess it remains to be seen whether whether that happens. Um, the Michigan State stuff was touched on in the story, but it's not really what this is about. Nor did you make any real bold proclamations about what Amani Bates is right. or isn't going to do. But the prevailing thought from people around him seems to be that the college thing is not happening. That mm. was as much that day about advertising uh, a new school as it was, you know, anything about a college commitment. And people can feel any any type of way they want about that. But that does seem to be the thought process that maybe, I guess, anything could happen. But most people would probably fall over and their jaws would drop if they saw him in a college uniform. Is that correct? Or that I mean, that's fairly accurate. Yes. Yeah. Um, I would certainly be surprised. Um, you know, the people that I spoke to was it, the general was just like, yeah, he's not going to play at Michigan right. State. That's kind of how it was. It's not he's definitely going to do this instead or he's definitely going to do that instead. It's just right. highly unlikely that he plays college basketball. Um, this is not new information <laughs> I at the end so. of the day. <laughs> That's why it's whatever, you know, 4,500 words into a 6,400 word story right. is because, you know, okay, anyone who's really paying attention here, you know, come on. So yeah. um, that's, that's been the long held belief. And I was never told anything to make it seem different. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the question? Oh, no, it was just to talk I'm about fried, that man. because I, I feel like that was something people wanted to take a lot away from. Where yeah, was, so like, like you know. on the ESPN thing, you know, there's been like, this is one of those examples of the a, a story with like so many versions of what actually happened. Um, at the end of the day, what like I know to be true is that the original idea was announcing Ipsy Prep mm-hmm. and then the Michigan State announcement was attached onto it. Right. Um, and you know, this is, they're passionate about this idea of Ipsy prep and it's a theme that I I thought kind of went through the story of like, what is this? Is this something that is really legitimately going to be a prep school option functioning in Michigan that players of, you know, high D one caliber, will be able to go to right. and and you and not have to leave the state and be able to play made for TV games and be able to travel the country and play in Texas and play in Atlanta and play in California or whatever. Cause right now that doesn't option that doesn't exist for kids in Michigan. No, yeah, you you got to leave. Right? right. And it's been a thing and we've talked about it endlessly, yeah. you know, Maybe Big a guy in football too. Yeah, for sure. Right. I'm sure we can rattle off names of kids that left that, you know, might've, chosen this oh, option God. if yeah. it existed it's, you know it's borderline crazy that he's still here to be quite honest with you i mean i well, think yeah when, and the, the, re- all, the only yeah. reason he is and still right. here yeah, is because the they created their own school they weren't going to play at lincoln again right they weren't going to play regular high school basketball um so it was leave mm-hmm. or make one here yeah and they had the balls to do the second option which is i'd say it's something you know yeah. and you know i know there's a lot of skeptics out there about it and that's totally fine like People, I think, can read this and come up with whatever opinion that they want. Um, but I went into it in the back of my head thinking this is probably, uh, you know, going to be used for Amani and he will play at Ipsy Prep. And at some point he will leave and go, you know, play at his next stop. Um, 
whether collegiately or professionally, and Ipsy Prep will cease to exist, was my general thinking going into it. Assumption, right? Then talk to EJ, and he would, you know, we're doing this next year, we're doing that next year, and, you know, I'm sitting there looking at him and saying, I'm not going to say he's lying. I'm not Mm going to say he's full of shit, right? Yeah. This is, he said it with conviction. He said it like he believes it. So for all we know, it could very well be a thing that this is part of their local legacy, right? Um, You know, EJ himself grew up in the Ann Arbor area. Yeah. um, Has now raised a family here. Um, And yeah, you think about it, like, is it a, to me, it's not that improbable to think five, eight years from now, Imani's playing in the NBA and, you know, this prep school is here and it's part of, like I said, you know, legacy is a big word. Like maybe that's, maybe it's possible. I don't know. But um, I will certainly say that's far more about what the story is about than right. whether he's going to playing college or anything involving Michigan state. Um, it's the here and now, you know, there was once a time where they said they would never leave Lincoln and yeah, wouldn't go to prep school. Right. Then they created their own prep school and went to that. Right. right. So um, things change. We'll say. What, what was your read on the whole, you know, because I know a lot gets made, and you said that earlier, you know, if you're this good, you're this talented, people are going to come at you, which is true. What was your read on on that? I mean, had it gotten to a point, did you sense that, you know, for a kid of that stature, playing in a public school setting just isn't possible? I mean, like, I, I don't, you know, because we look at all these things nowadays, and so many kids that are this talented, especially in basketball, they, they don't play it. You know, typical public schools. We see so much of it in football now, too, with kids. They'll go to IMG or they'll go to uh, one of the schools in Vegas or whatever it is, uh, super teams, yeah. more or less. Um, I do wonder about that because I'm, I'm not around the high school game as much as I used to be. Um, but I, there has to be some merit with that, right? Where it's like it's not necessarily sustainable for a kid like that to go to a public high school, you know, and deal and have to and play with kids that, first of all, aren't going to be as near <laughs> anywhere near as good as him mm-hmm. on any stratosphere. But also, you deal with the kid that wakes up on the wrong side of the bed one day and says he wants to go with his leg or whatever, and right. it's all hell breaks loose. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's it's an interesting question. It's an interesting dynamic in, in the whole. It is. There. Um, I got the sense that it was ju- it, it became too much, and I think it was too yeah. much on both sides. You know, talking, to the, yeah, talking right. to the AD at Lincoln. You know, he, I mean, he just came right out and said he's like, this wasn't fun anymore. I mean, it was like its yeah. own job just trying to manage this thing, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I mean, that's not like there's really very little infrastructure for a school to be, you know, sending security on the road with its high school basketball team because, you know, one guy <laughs> I just can't ate, even imagine, yeah. you know, and that was happening. And yeah, yeah. Um, there were fire codes being violated in high school. Gyms yeah, exactly. And standing outside, you know, the fire marshal yeah. having to show up. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I talk about how some people say this and, and the baits say that, you know, you talk to some local high school coaches and they'll say, you know, yeah, everyone played him physically, played him hard and and they would interpret everything as cheap shots. Well, you know, sure. The answer might be one. It might be the other. It might be in the middle, but either way they felt Amani was in an unsafe spot and yeah. they were not going to put him in that situation again, where, you know, 
the, the, the seventh guy on whatever local high school gets sent in to, Hey, make sure, you know, make a, make a money field. Now yeah, you got right. some random kid taking a run at him or, you know, who knows what happens. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, there was like, there were some vibes around some games where, you know, it was yeah hostile and, you know, some of the scenes fight, that we fights see, almost videos, broke out. Yeah. I mean, on like, the court. Yeah. It was intense. He, a lot of it was really intense. And he was just kind of this, that the hyper focus on on him is a lot. It feels like in a regular high school setting. To your point, like I, I think that's pretty undeniable at this mm-hmm. point. Um, whereas you know you do the Ipsy Prep thing, you travel around, right? It's not you're not playing rivals. No, <laughs> right? none of that. None of that. Yeah, every game you're, is a game. You're yeah. playing games, right, man? And uh, you know, yeah, you can play good basketball still. You, oh yeah. You know, you, you, you hope at least, but that's all it is. There's nothing, but else. that's all it is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, right. so yeah, I mean like, like anyone else who's, you know, kind of a basketball purist. Yeah. I mean, I love, you know, high school basketball is great. Pack the gym. Mm. Oh, people yeah, sure. care. It's awesome. And blah, blah, blah. But I couldn't really disagree with anything that, that EJ or anyone around, right. Um, them, said in terms of their rationale for not wanting to do that anymore. It's a fascinating story and a fascinating situation. What do we think about him as a player before we get out of here? I mean, you're, you've been doing, how, when did you start writing this story? When did you start reporting on it? How long have you been working on this? How many months? Ooh, two and a half, three. And then it all kind of ratcheted up yep. because the actual sit down with, with EJ only came relatively recently. Um, so there was only so much, you know, that could be done before that, but, um. Yeah, it's been it was a minute. So as a player, right, and, and people have been dissecting everything about him since forever. Back yeah. when he was like ninety pounds. Um. I don't, what do we think? I mean, I remember LeBron in high school. I remember mm-hmm. what that was like. Um. And you know, I was obviously younger at the time, but you watched him play, and you were like, "Well, there's no way this guy's not going to be like." Mm-hmm. There's no way you watched LeBron, and you were just like, "There's no way he's not going to be the number one pick and like mm-hmm. a 15 year all star, right?" He was athletically, physically, just at a completely different level than any human before or since. I don't know if Amani Bates physically. I know he's not. He is not physically like a person like LeBron, but in terms of his game and everything else, that's really what where the ceiling comes in. Where do you sort of land on all this? And obviously so much of it is to be determined, but it's an um, interesting question. It is, you know, I mean, I was, I was little, but I saw, I saw Kobe Bryant play in high school. Sure. Uh, and he, even Kobe wasn't on LeBron's athletic level. No, you know no. I mean? And I, I saw LeBron play in high school. I saw him at the Palestra. No, oh, there you go. Oh my God. Strawberry you go. Mansion. Did you, did you and, videotape him? And, with and a Maurice, board? remember Maurice Rice? He ended up playing, he played at GW. Uh, Maybe that sounds a little familiar. Yeah, yeah. I think he like he like broke Wilt Chamberlain's like city scoring record and stuff. He was just okay, okay. His pinball guard had just built like a yeah. fire hydrant and tough as shit and could just he just got buckets. He was mm-hmm. unbelievable. So yeah, LeBron LeBron played Mo Rice at the Palestra and it was insanity. Eighty seven eighty seven hundred yeah. people packed to the corners. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, I mean. Imani's physical stature is not that. Right, no. His yeah. combination, though, mm-hmm. of of size and skill and shooting and length, 
like those like that's where the yeah. um this kind of you know when you, people start throwing around words like generational talent and things like that that's where it is it's not in the size it's in the combination of length and skill right and that's why every yeah. story that's ever been written about him except this one <laughs> says that he's the next Kevin Durant Right. Like that's the word that it always gets thrown around, which I been a lot of next Kevin Durant's. But you know, man, over yeah, the yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> still waiting. To, still, still waiting to see one. You know, he like he's going to be drafted in the NBA. Is he, is he bulletproof number one pick overall well, when he's I'm, eligible? Yeah. Right. I don't know about that. And I talk, I talked to, you know, multiple people around the NBA mm-hmm. who are not like, oh, sh- who would not say that he's the surefire number one pick whenever he's eligible. Does right. that really make a goddamn difference? Not really. If he's the number three overall pick, when, whatever right, it'll be year, a lot, yeah, a lot who gives a shit, sure. right? Like, it's going to happen one way or another. Um, but it's more like this question of, you know, what does his development look like right now? What is, is he still projecting onto the path? You know, people question it. I'm not remotely smart enough to say, Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't pretend to be like, oh, yeah, this is for sure one way or the other. I have no idea. Um, but in terms of raw talent, skill, size, I mean, you the, the interest in the NBA of getting him in there, getting him into your, you know, program, yeah. pro your development and you're this and you're that and turning him into, you know, a 10 time all star. That's still the thought for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's really hard right now to project things though, um, both because of the, what this basketball season has looked like, mm-hmm. you know, um, and we still don't even know when he's going to be. Like, well, that's the other it's thing. It's probably like, 2023. Yeah. Will there eventually somehow be some last second change? I don't, I don't know. You know, m- most likely it's 2023. What does he look like at 2023? I, I have no idea. I mean, I'll put it this way. One of the most, one of the things that, you know, everyone liked to say different versions of the same story in this thing. One of the only things that pretty much everyone said to a man who was around them was this kid works his ass off yeah. at a level that most people can't understand right. to where, you know, he has been known to kind of pick, only pick specific people to work out with because if you can't hang Right. Then you got to go. It's not productive for him. Right. So, right. you know, it's, this is not, I, I, yeah, this is in the story. Like, this is not EJ Bates is grinding this kid to a pulp and, and dragging him to, you know, work and, and, and be a basketball player and, and become an NBA guy. It's the, it's the other way around. Like, they've had to go out of their way to feed, his desire to be able to be in the gym for obscene amount of time and, and get up insane amount of shots. And he's got this thing about him where, you know, if he misses one shot, he gets furious and wants to take 10 more or 20 more or 30 more. And, you know, there is a very real passion there and the work ethic to go with it that speaks to, you know, I would believe in that as much as I believe in the fact that he's 6'10 and can has guard skills and can shoot and do all these things. So like I was far more encouraged to hear that he's just kind of one yeah, of these yeah. crazy work people that you're just like, oh, okay, well, 
we don't even understand how that brain works, right? Right. There's so many of those. I mean, there's a lot. That's an extreme example. I'm sure he is, but it always. This story reminded me of something I think about a lot, which the college component. Um, and obviously, we, when I look at this objectively and just look at this at the top of his head, it would make no sense for Amani Bates to spend any time in college, right? I mean, it wouldn't mm-hmm. for just me saying this. I mean, he can do whatever he wants. When you look at it objectively from from someone sitting 10, 10 miles away, it's like what would what would gain here? But then I then you hear that you hear the work ethic, the passion, everything else. And I always go back to, are we ever going to get to a point in college athletics where, because we see this now, I, we see young kids come up, football, basketball, whatever, that are dead serious about training, about, you know, perfecting their craft, take their body serious, they don't put junk in their, you know, we see kids walk into campuses now these days that are just cut up, looking like complete adults, ready to roll, and they've got to, that is why they're there, right? They're there to perfect their craft, they're there to continue mm-hmm. to develop at something that they've chosen to be their profession in life. At some point, uh, if this is ever going to last for longer than another decade uh, at the level that it even is close to now, I would think that universities are going to have to meet people halfway and say, you can come here and train to be an athlete, and that'll be your major. And that'll be your scholarship. It's that's ridiculous that it doesn't exist. That's what you're, that that's what you're here to do. If you're Michigan State and you can offer a kid like Imani Bates the ability to come in and say, Imani, you don't have to go to class if you don't want to. You can, but mm-hmm. your class is going to be a required X hours of whatever in basketball. Uh, that's what you'll have to, you know, fulfill to be eligible to play here and do all your things. Like that, well, to me, the, is so much class, more productive. The yeah. class should be PR work. Should have be wealth yeah. management. All should be, you know, the... Skill training. The whole right, thing. Like, yeah, like the whole thing. that stuff that is, is going to be pertinent to the very unique situation that you're in. And until college can match that, especially if they do away with, you know, one and done, it's pretty preposterous to ask uh, for this, the current setup, the old setup, certainly the even notion of amateurism. It's nonsense in terms of what the real options for these, for these guys should be. Right. Because what are you gaining? If you're a kid of that caliber athletic ability or really even if you're a kid if you're a kid that is you know a couple rungs below that but it's still a possible professional either here or abroad Mm -hmm. and you're standing to make you know a a six seven figure you know salary in this profession why are you required to go somewhere and spend most of your time not working on that right and having people limit how much you can work on that forget the fact that it's done without uh, payment, all this mm-hmm. other stuff. Forget all that. But I just, at some point, like I said, I mean, at some point, you know, these schools, these leagues, these whatever, these bodies, you're going to have to meet people halfway or it's just not going to, the sport is the, both of them, football and, and basketball. They're not yeah. going to sustain themselves the way that we, that we see them right now. I think people take this for granted. And I mean, I, I bring it up every time I talk to an administrator or anybody else. When are we going to get to that point where we see you guys embracing that these kids came to your institution to train at world-class facilities with world-class coaches, with the, their best peers, right? Which is what you would do if you're a doctor or a lawyer or whatever else in any other setting. And it just, you know, it's it's beyond time for something like that, I, I feel like, to occur. And every time I you read a story about a topic like this, it always just reminds me of it as all. So yeah. interesting layer for sure. You got yeah. anything else here you want to add? Uh, um, anything, anything surprised you along the way that... We haven't covered here about this whole situation. I know it's a 
super layered. If you read the story, you'll you'll note that it just uh, more and more people. Amani <laughs> paints his net uh, for a, for a closed off you know wall. The net really does reach pretty yeah. far and wide uh, with yeah. a lot of people. I mean, there no there could there could be another. Four, six, eight, twelve thousand words written pretty, pretty easily. Um, yeah, I mean, I was surprised by everything. Really, yeah. at the end of the day, I had no idea where this was going to go. I didn't go in with any preconceived notion. You know, when I went to um, to the Bateses, that's kind of how I presented it. You know, I'm not coming here to write that he is Kevin Durant. I'm not right. coming here to write a hit piece. I'm not coming here to write. Um, some glamorous glowing. This is amazing. Right. Like mm-hmm. I, I just want to kind of see what you guys are doing and, and write a story about it. About That's it, really yeah. what it, what it boiled down to. Um, and then like, the, then it just went from there and I'm like, well, Holy shit. You know, one thing after another, and it just got kind of more and more uh, interesting and curious as it, as it went along and um, met a lot of interesting people along the way. I can tell you that much. Um, <laughs> I bet you did. The, <laughs> Um, so no, I mean, I wouldn't say there's any surprises. Um, I would say that like the way that today is going, and this will be the only thing I, I address on, on this, cause I don't want to let this devolve into, you know, kind of giving people attention that don't need it. But like, I was a little disappointed today with how some of this has kind of played out. You know, there's been, oh yeah, there's one sentence about, you know, people don't think he's probably going to go play in college and it ends up getting aggregated into headlines itself. And, you know, that's a little disappointing because yeah, it, right. it, it really um, is not what the story was about. And I, I, you know, I got people telling me what my intentions were in doing this and, you know, and that's just not, you know, I hope that people read it and, and who read me and who read you and who read the site kind of have an idea of what we try to do on, a daily basis and especially on a story that's this kind of sensitive and nuanced and layered and complicated and all that like is not there's no sure shit is no agenda i can tell you that no, much I, you know yeah. so um look look i'll say that brandon didn't write anything in that story that said one way or another from his words his mouth where amani bates <laughs> is gonna play next what school he will or won't play at if he plays in college this these were things shared by other people around him okay so <laughs> yeah no no one claimed any you know if you don't hear it from me i didn't say it you didn't hear it from anybody nobody right. here said this and nobody certainly said this definitively so again if that's all that anyone gets out of something like that then it's also probably not somebody who's going to subscribe to this website that is <laughs> true and that's why i try to remind myself and it's one have, of those you have to have a level of uh critical thought uh, yeah to read i guess <laughs> beyond what directly impacts your direct enjoyment, I suppose. I mean, if that goes, that's just not the audience for it. I mean, if you're only coming at this from a college recruiting standpoint, this this out, this Amani Bates outgrew college recruiting when he was like ten. Okay, it's not. <laughs> it's like small, small potatoes. It doesn't matter to a kid like yeah, that, yeah. right? It just doesn't. So, like, that's just that's whatever. I don't think I would worry too much about that yeah. because is what it it's is. a uh, it's just a bummer when it happens. So. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. It's the, uh, you know, don't focus on. Cause look, here's the thing. You don't have to like the story. I, yeah. I'm not free. You know, I'm right. not saying it. I, I can't be criticized, but that's yeah. totally fine. All that. Right. Right. 
say you don't like the story, say you wanted something else. That's, that's fine. But don't make it something that it wasn't right. You know, and that, that's kind of happened a little bit. So that's all good. I do appreciate the fact that, you know, having the opportunity to tell a story was, um, was really interesting. And it was, uh, you know, like I said earlier, you know, EJ base did not have to sit down. They did not have to open their doors. Um, which would have made for, well, you couldn't write. It would have made for a reporting <laughs> process that, frankly, I would not have been comfortable doing. You know you what just I mean? Do it, yeah. Because it's I'm hearing it from them, or you know, I I'm would not, also not say gonna that write, it's not going to write some Paris in, or palace intrigue piece about. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Some expose. I don't give a shit. I, I think it speaks to <laughs> the Bates family and um, you know the, the folks that are around Imani. I guess mm-hmm. that that they were willing to do this at all because sure. for some, for a group that. I mean, rightly so to a degree is about controlling a situation. We see this so often. You're not getting access in today's sports world unless you basically agree to do what they want you to do. 100%. Like that, is, 100%. that is how this job... I mean, <laughs> if you are a casual observer of what we do and you haven't picked up on that, I don't know what to tell you. Like, access is... In, in, in today's world, it's contingent on you're repaying them oftentimes with something glamorous or something that... You, you know, can come here and over. do this. Right. And that's not what this was. This was, here's what I'm not here to do. Uh, here's what I'm going to do. And it's it's them saying, okay, well, you know, we're not going to let you have everything. But, you know, for the most part, we're not going to hide anything either. So, sure. because if we try to, you're probably going to find out. <laughs> so, that's, yeah. you know, that, that that takes a lot, I think, from, from someone to do that. I think that comes across as well in that this is not, you know, probably the knee jerk. Because I, I like you, it, you know, when this started. Uh, you know, my probably original knee-jerk response was like, well, this is, this is, you know, EJ's crazy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we've all heard stories about how, you know, Amani wasn't playing anywhere where EJ couldn't be on the bench. Amani mm-hmm. wasn't going to go anywhere if EJ couldn't be involved. And you thought, well, does he want to be a coach? Mm-hmm. And then you think about it more and it's like, like I've said to you, I mean, so much about how I view college kids obviously changes once you become a dad, but sure. like, just, you think more about these things and it just seems like it's a dad that's, Trying to do everything he can to get his kid, like you said in the story, from point A to point B, and everything in the middle is just like a Game of Thrones episode where you're just waiting <laughs> for something to happen. Perfect. And like I wish that's, I saw that that's how you feel. God yeah, damn. That's, yeah. that's how you feel. I mean, that's it's the crazy part of it. We see it. It's, he's like the extreme example, but we see it in so many different kids uh, right. of that talent level that you know they even when they get to college. I mean, Jabril Peppers was a great example when he came here. Donovan Peoples Jones in football. Uh, when he came here, Juwan Howard's going to have some kids come in next season, right? On the basketball mm-hmm. team that are like that. Michigan State's had those kids. So, you know, it's 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 always for me, like, you watch a kid of that talent, and even just as, as an observer, you watch kids that good, and you're just like gritting your teeth, hoping that like nothing happens to the kid by the time they have a chance to right. just, you know, make one dollar off of this because they deserve it. But anyway, great story today. If you haven't uh, checked it out already, go give it a read. Uh, and with that, Brennan, I'll let you take this out of here if you've got anything else to add. No, I think that's it. Uh, we appreciate everyone listening. I certainly appreciate anyone reading, uh, sure. willing to give the time to that story to, to sit down and and consume it all. So uh, speaking of consumption, make sure you, there go, you go. Uh, support your local restaurants. <laughs> and uh, and when you do, tip your bartenders and servers. The place where I